Another episode of Out from the Cube. Our usual guest at some point during the week is Jason Wells. And I've actually, Jason, uh, we, we talked briefly offline before we got going. I've got three or four messages this past week or so uh, talking about you, asking about you, people wanting to know our relationship. And uh, got an email today from somebody that was actually looking for private lessons in the basketball world and different things like that. So uh, you are resonating in the, uh, the analytics and the numbers. You've, you've without question, have helped the podcast. What's that? You're a great guy that does basketball workouts. <laughs> yes, well, they, they inquired about both of us. And I, I did mention that is something you're trying to pivot away from a little bit. So, um, but anyway, so I uh, really appreciate your time. And uh, I know you're busy. So you're in, the, you're in the middle or in the midst or finishing up on a move. And you, you made time for us. And, and I know moving is a, a stressful time and you're getting a house closed down and trying to start up another house with all the utilities and everything that goes along with starting a new house. And uh, so anyway, I appreciate your time with this. Um, so we'll just jump right into it. Something, some, uh, I find, um, I, re I really, am, uh, you and I really get along. I think we have very similar interests, passions, uh, outcomes and directions that we kind of want to take our lives. And uh, so I do think there's kind of that bond to it, uh, to us. Um, one thing I think without question that I without question struggle with and I uh, it's something that I'm not comfortable with um, and I've seen you in different situations and scenarios where this this word or, or this does not bother you nearly like it does me so I'm going to rewind to uh, something that happened between you and me or something that we were both a part of I'm not going to go into the details of the situation but there was a I don't know if it was a conflict, but something happened with the group that you and I used to work with, with, with there where uh, it wasn't combative or anything, but there was just some, some things that needed to be hashed out. There was a conflict that needed to be hashed out and you handled that. And you said something that resonated with me and, and, and we can talk offline if you remember the situation or not, but there were some coaches and we were kind of going back and forth a little bit and it was between you and somebody else. Um, and it was, uh, you know, I, I forget what the, the phrase is, is that there was a confrontation. That's the word I'm kind of going at. There was a confrontation between you and somebody else. How you handled it yep. really impacted me and resonated with me because this is exactly what you said verbatim. You said, I'm not uncomfortable having this conversation. And it was, it was, you know, it was very, uh, it was kind of combated. It was definitely confrontational. Um, and that resonated with me because that is almost exactly what you said. And I sat back and said, man, I am not comfortable in that situation. I am not comfortable with this situation. And I try to tiptoe around those things. And, and it wasn't that you were going at it. You were just like, hey, here's my point of view. This is what I'm passionate about. This is my expectation. This is the way I think things should be. And I'm going to fight for it to a certain extent. Whereas I, in those situations, I'm the first to step away and say, hey, go at it. You know, you win. Yeah. I'm not into this conversation. But your position of I'm comfortable talking about things like this and in this tone. Um, and, again, you don't have to say if you remember that conversation or not, but that, that idea of confrontation and what that word means to you, how you handle confrontation, how you get over it, and what that kind of means to you. Yeah, um, I do remember the conversation. Okay. And um, 
man, I got goosebumps as you were saying it because <laughs> I get excited. Not, right. not, not rehashing the conversation, but right. um, just knowing that this is an extremely sensitive subject for most people. So I feel like there's a major difference. You know how I am, and, and we've even talked about it on here, um, being very specific with words. And I feel like there is a difference I don't know whether you want to call it a major difference, subtle difference, whatever, but I do believe there is a difference between conflict and confrontation. Hmm. Conflict to me is the harsher of the two. Conflict is raised voices, high emotion, um, you know, yelling, screaming, cursing. I, I, I feel like that is conflict. Confrontation to me, me at its simplest form is a difference of perspective um and a lot of times george that's really what it boils down to to me is let's have a conversation and let's talk about we, we could talk about how you feel i could talk about how i feel because emotions are a part of it mm -hmm. so let's talk about what we felt now let's talk about the perspective of you know, where you're coming from or what you may have seen in comparison to what I may have seen. Um, and then wrapped up in all of that are the facts. The facts don't change. Mm -hmm. um, so even through perspective, if we're focusing on the facts, then we can hopefully get to a point where through emotion, through perspective, the facts still say, here's, here's how we got to this point or, or here's where we are. Um, those three things, and then obviously how to move forward. But those three things, it, it boils down to everything that we've talked about since I've been on here. It's simple, but it's not easy. Right. Why, why, why is that easy for you? Why, yeah. why, why is that so – I'm not saying it's so easy for you. I don't, want yeah. to put that, I don't want to put that on you. But it's, why is that easier for you than say it is for me? Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point, right? So I, you can't speak for me either. Right? Okay. Tell me why I feel like that is, is easy for you. I feel like that is easy for you. Why, when you said that in that conversation, I don't mind having these conversations. Yeah. So that leads me to believe maybe that conversation is easy for you. Why, why do you feel that is? Because ultimately, George, to me, it is another step towards growth. It's another step towards improvement either, and it goes back to IUE. It's another step towards improvement for myself, improvement for the person and improvement therefore for us so ultimately confrontational conversations boil down to one thing for me it shows that you care enough about the person to have that tough conversation mm. um, you care enough about the relationship you care and so um my my lady she is a very profound person and her and I have had several um, and there's a book that I just ran across and I, and I want to say, I know I have one. Uh, sorry. This is one mm -hmm. crucial conversations. Um, there's another one that I just heard called bold conversations. Um, and I, and I want to say that, they're roughly the same thing. Why I brought her up 
was this. She said something one time in a conversation. First off, her and I have had some bold conversations just as we're starting to learn each other. What, you know, what hmm. may take her to a certain place, what may take me to a certain place. So a lot of this is just learning. But this, this situation that I'm speaking of that, that brought us to this didn't concern me. It concerned someone actually in her nail salon. And the situation doesn't matter. But she posed a statement to me. And so much like you always write down when we're having conversations, you're taking your little notes. I do the same thing with not only you, but I do that with, with her as well. And her statement was, um, hold on, because I pulled it up because I want to get it verbatim as well. Um, her statement was, a challenging conversation doesn't mean loud. A challenging conversation is one that makes someone think. Mm. Mm. That's the one, George. Mm -hmm. That's the one. Because so often when we think confrontation, even, even with me saying conflict and confrontation, so often when we hear confrontation, we let our past experiences take us to conflict take us to raised voices and high emotions and 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 all of these different things and that's not what it entails what it entails is i have a care for that person and i have a care for this relationship and it does not have to be loud as long as as hopefully both of them but for sure one of those people are thinking so i wonder how you so and, be, and when we leave, actually, while, while I'm thinking about it, that last book, you get, hold that book up again. And who, who wrote that book? Because um, I want to make sure. Crucial Conversations, crucial conversations for those that, are, uh, that don't watch us on YouTube. Right. Crucial Conversations. And who, who wrote that? Yeah, it, it's one of those multi-written. So Patterson, okay. Grinney, here, I'll go bottom. Okay. Patterson, Grinney, McMillan, and what is that? I'm reading backwards. Uh, yeah. Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm wondering how you can have a confrontation and still, uh, still impact and still keep people engaged and still keep them with their mindset of being heard. Like if, if you and I were to have a confrontation right now on something, I might shut down. I might shut down. You may not get a response from me. You may get a, yeah, that's fine. Um, let's move on to the next thing without maybe getting my voice, my opinion, or, or my uh, rebuttal to what you're saying, right? Um, and we both come from worlds that are very confrontational. Like, yeah. you know, the, the confrontation in the basketball world or the coaching world, or especially at the level you played at, is much different than a confrontation in the business world, right? Me, me saying, hey, I'll see you at four in the morning, so you're running three miles is, is different than, you know, than what we see in the professional world. So I'm wondering, but I'm wondering how you keep those how you can be confrontational without being loud, keeping people engaged and still making sure that when they leave the conversation that they still feel heard, valued, and appreciated. Sure. Um, and, and it's funny because, and I'll ask you this because um, from your perspective, you weren't involved in, in this specific situation that we're talking about. And this happened months before I'd even met my lady, mm -hmm. do you recall whether or not I got loud or not? Yeah, I, I, I remember this conversation. Yeah, yeah, I would say that you so, were, let me say this, you were louder. 
Okay. I will say that, I, you know, loud, that would be relative to you weren't screaming, yelling, stomping your fist. No, but you were definitely uh, more engaged, more passionate and louder than you typically are. Sure. So that even months before I heard that statement from her, mm-hmm. I was on my own personal journey of understanding that yelling does not do it like the only thing yelling does is is take people to a place of defensiveness Mm. um and so i wanted to make sure especially in that situation but in any situation um i do want to make sure and i feel like i haven't read this yet but i feel like this is what it's about um it is about getting your point across understanding that there is a that there is someone else's point of view as well and and the biggest thing george and and man we could go down such a rabbit hole with this one um it's where we are in this world it's where we are in society one of the biggest things that we have now is difference of opinion and difference of perspective has now been translated into hate Mm. and that's a tough spot to be in. Right. Whether we're talking politics, whether we're talking race, whether we're talking football, whether we're talking, you know, kneeling, like what, whatever, you pick your pick, mm-hmm. <laughs> pick your topic in 2018. Right. But that difference of opinion and difference of perspective has now turned into hate. And to me, what that boils down to is I don't see that other person or that other group as subjects. I see them as objects. And when you devalue someone's side, like in that specific conversation, if you remember correctly, I never devalue where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I understood. I, I yeah. perfect. I, 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 and which was, which was, which makes him feel like at least I was heard. Mm-hmm. Like I told you guys from day one, I'm, I'm, I don't believe in a dictatorship. We're not running this like a dictatorship. Like I want the feedback because feedback to me is what allows me to be able to grow, which is where this whole thing is coming from. So mm-hmm. we don't have to get loud. We don't have like passion. Is, when you're talk, if you're talking about two passionate people, emotion is going to come out. Emotion is not a bad thing either. I would rather talk with somebody with a bunch of emotion than to talk to, you know, a, an apathetic person right. that's not giving me anything. Give me the passion before that. Um, but yeah, like we're, we're at this point where difference in perspective has turned into hate. And now you just don't see that person as, as the person. I see them as a representative of a group that I can now devalue and desensitize, whether that makes me feel better, it's not wrong or right. But if I can, if I can take my personal feelings and say that this person is not a person, it is, it, this person is a part of a larger group that I dislike, then there it is. There it, is. It, it validates my emotions and it allows me to be able to do things that I probably wouldn't have done normally. So, <clears throat> another thing that I struggle with that I'm guessing you do not. There's one thing about confrontation where, Hey, you and I are talking and it's on and let's get some facts out and let's discuss our differences and our perspectives. It's another thing to have in your mind. If I have this conversation with Jay, 
we are going to have words. We are going to have a confrontation. So it is me. This is how I operate. And it's something I work on. It is my, it is my story. It is something I'm trying to do to grow. But if I sense conflict or uh, confrontation coming between you and me, I will avoid it. I will avoid, uh, I will, it's not that I would avoid you. I would avoid that subject because I know if I bring X up that it's on, right? But are you the type of person, leader, um, that when you know there's a, uh, you know, a conflict that is about to happen, like you go hunt it out to get it resolved. So that's ultimately the thing. Like, hey, if I've got to get this resolved, like something's going on between me and George and um, I value him enough and he's such a great friend that I'm just going to go and there's going to be some words but I'd rather have it resolved now. Um, whereas I'm going to be like, I'm going to tiptoe around this man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we would be, we would be opposite on that one. I am. <laughs> and, and, and you said, but, but the, you said the three key things that I would go into it about. Number one, I care enough about George. Number two, I care enough about our friendship and our relationship. And number three, I am concerned about the results that the outcome of this is going to have. So I'm not one to dance around the elephant in the room. Mm. Um, I'm not one to sweep things under the rug. Like I, my dad used to always tell me, if you sweep things under the rug, eventually it's going to make a lump <laughs> and, and you're going to trip over the lump. And so, um, yeah, I, I, gosh, I, I want to dig deeper into this, um, but it really just goes back to, you know, so much of this is my personal story, George. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I guess I, I do my best to not bring this into it because I, I understand that my personal story is, is just my story. It's not the story. But um, when I was young, especially a young professional, 22, 23, 24 years old, I used to have this thing that I would tell myself. If it was on my mind, it was on my tongue. Mm. Like, I was saying. <laughs> and that went from everybody, from the water boy to the president of the club. Um, the thought process was this. For me, it stemmed from a place of passion. Mm -hmm. What I didn't understand is how that passion could easily be misunderstood because of tone, body language, timing like all of those things are imperative when you're talking about having these these bold conversations like if it's not the right time it's not the right time not that we're avoiding it but mm -hmm. you know and i don't think in the middle of sunday dinner is when i should tell you that i got an issue with your mom right time so uh and and obviously we can play around with with different scenarios um but what changed? What, I mean, there might not be one scenario, one situation, or one life moment that made you sit back and said, wait a minute, I've got to change this. But, but, but yeah, it, it was a teammate. Is it maturity? Oh, something did happen. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a teammate on top of maturity. It was a team. I had the same teammate back to back. We were teammates in Israel, and then we were teammates the very next year in Italy. And he eventually told me, he's like, Jay, like, you can't always yell because if you always yell, then yelling just becomes your tone. And people just get used to you yelling. And it's just Jason talking again. When if you think about the greatest coaches, the greatest teachers, the greatest educators, the greatest leaders are those of which, and you even just said it, 
those of which have a certain demeanor. And when I need to get a point across, I'm going to change that demeanor to get my, my point across, but it's never in a way of disrespect. It's never in a way of embarrassment. It's never in a way of trying to show you up. It's in a way of, here's a shift in, in what we need to happen. Here's a shift in me. Here's where we're going with this. Right. Um, but never at a point of disrespect. Well, I think that's, that's um, I mean, there's a lot in here. There's a lot to unpack in here for people that are listening. Um, I listened to a podcast this morning where the guy was saying, hey, you need to pull over and, and rewind three minutes and start taking some notes. I think that's exactly <laughs> what Jason said. But, um, but I, I like that idea of um, the tone, that if you're yelling, that, and I forgot exactly how you phrased it, but, you, but what your buddy said when you were in Italy – but if you if you you're always yelling that that becomes your default tone essentially right so i guess we as leaders and entrepreneurs and ceos and salespeople that all listen to this podcast because you have me thinking about myself not just work um and my professional life but when i go work with young athletes or young teams or young or the groups that i work with what is my default tone i bet you if you were to pull those people uh my default tone is not what it should be Right. My, mine is loud and uh, loud with encouragement and uh, loud, but not loud with criticism. If that, if that, if yeah. there's a, you, you know me, you know that I'm loud. Um, yeah. um, but, but there is something like, you know, uh, the thing that you and I are very similar in is this kind of this, uh, uh, you know, uh, just really looking at ourselves, being very introspective on where we are, where we'd like to be and how we can get there. Um, but that, so that's my takeaway right there is what I wonder what my default tone is in leadership team settings and all of us that are leaders um, uh, um, or running teams or in teams or even in our conversations and our relationships, whatever it might be. I wonder what our D de- so the idea is this, then it's not necessarily our default tone, but it might be the default, like, Hey, if I bring this up, I know what Jason's default tone is. I know, I know where he's immediately going to go when he's this, where you could sit there and say, Hey, I play for Bobby Knight. Here's his default tone on this situation. Or I play for Tony Dungy. And here's what I know I get out of him. Right. And it's, it's two different mindsets on how those teams are kind of run one out of fear, one out of love and appreciation. Um, Man, long before I ever knew that I had uh, a desire, a passion, a skill set to even navigate down anything non-athletic something that I always told myself was a coach is the ultimate manager and I would change that word because I don't like the word manager so I would just say leader a coach is the ultimate leader a coach is the ultimate um, leader of an organization no matter where you're talking about on the org chart we're talking about a leader uh, across the board. And what I mean by that and, and what I've meant by that for the past 15 or 20 years that I've said that is this. You have to know how to get the group going and you have to know how to get the individuals that make up that group going. Mm-hmm. How, and and those, are, those can potentially be two drastically different things. Because when you're talking about the group, if I'm, if I'm cooking for a group of 15 to, to 30 people, you know, I, I need to cook with probably less seasoning, less salt, less pepper, and, and just kind of make it general for everybody and let them add as they, de- as they desire. Mm-hmm. If I'm cooking for, for 
me and my lady, I'm throwing Cajun seasoning in there. I'm throwing everything in there because or because I know I know how to I know how she likes it. I know how to how to get how to get the best out of her. Same thing for coaching. Like hmm. we come from, whether it be Coach Meyer or Coach Majerus or whether it be uh, Coach Waltman, who was a direct Bobby Knight disciple, or or any other coach that I've played for, we come from a the generation of yellers and screamers, right? But we knew how to decipher. If Coach Waltman walked up to me and said, I could filter out all of the f bombs, all of the GDs, all of the all of the, all, I could I could get rid of all of that, and I could hear Jason. I need you to box out. <laughs> right, right, right. Yep. I don't. Just so you know, like I don't. See, I, I and that's why I couldn't play and probably wasn't a great coach, right? Because I hear all the other noise, and I don't hear that. And I'm like, oh, geez, man. Right, yes. right. And here's the thing, though, George. As leaders. You have to know, like, so I am one. I am one, and this is a gift and a curse. I am one where you can hit me on either end of the spectrum and I will respond because of who I am. You can yell and scream and curse at me and I will respond. You can encourage, support, and cheerlead me and I will respond. Mm -hmm. As a coach and as a leader, I struggle with athletes, people who don't respond to either one because I can be either one. I can motivate you and, and push you with, with loud words, or I can motivate and cheerlead you and give you support. I need you to respond to one of those two. If I'm with someone who doesn't respond to either one of those two, my personality flaw is, I don't know what to do. Right. And as a generation of leaders, George, it is imperative that we know that when we talk about millennials, they don't respond. We cannot coach, teach, and parent millennials how we were coached, taught, and parented. Right. We cannot. They do not respond the way that we responded. They don't. They will shut down. If you yell and scream at, a at the average millennial, they will shut down. Right. And you're not going to get anything out of them. So going back to my original point of a coach being an ultimate leader, you got to know how to manage the group. I also need to know, hey, George isn't going to respond to yelling and screaming. I got to go to George and give him some support and encouragement and cheerleading. Jason is going to respond to yelling and screaming, so I can kind of go at him a different kind of way. Those two different ends of the spectrum are going to get us. It goes back to IUE. It goes back right. to understanding individuals. Right. And more importantly, it goes back to seeing People as individuals, like I said before, seeing them as subjects, not objects. Right. So it, it, to kind of wrap up, and this has actually been on my – th this subject has been on my mind because I, 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 when you said that during that confrontation, or, you know, that, 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 uh, that conversation. <laughs> yeah, that conversation, uh, uh, you know, it's probably been a year or so now. Um, that just struck me, and I was like, man, I wish I was more like that. I wish I wasn't, you know, afraid of those type of conversations. Mike Krzyzewski, who the head, who's the head coach at Duke basketball, the all time winningest coach in the history of basketball. He has a phrase that always stuck with me about confrontation. He said, confrontation is meeting the truth head on. It's getting, it's getting the truth on the table and getting it discussed, getting it resolved and moving on. Um, 
That is my challenge. That, that's my challenge to me. Again, a, a fair amount of this podcast is, uh, you know, me lay, laying on the, the psychologist chair by myself and just talking. It's my <laughs> issues. Like I, need, I need to be better yeah. at that. I, not, I need to not be afraid to get the truth out, even if the truth isn't the truth that I want to hear. Right. It's uh, me just it's about me and receiving feedback and getting better and kind of living, quote unquote, my best self and moving that direction yeah. um, and not being afraid of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, too, go this ahead. Is we can, this is something we can dive into um, as much as you want to. I've told you before my words. And it's funny because very recently, this last word. I've gotten some pushback on it. Um, my three words into achieving higher performance, increased results, like increased productivity, all the things that we want, no matter what industry we're in. My kind of path to that is connection, which starts with connection to self. If I can authentically be myself, I can authentically present myself to you, which you now receive my most authentic self, which also allows you to probably be in a place where you will give me your most authentic self. Mm. So we just did a podcast where we talked about you get what you give. I talked about that on uh, Monday's podcast where we kind of hammered that. That's a phrase that I use with my children that you give love, you get love, you give friendship, you give support, you give service. Like those are the things you get back. Absolutely. So, so from connection, our next transition would now be into honesty. And under honesty, and this is all that I'm putting together as I speak to small businesses and corporations and, and small groups and organizations, um, now that we're there, we can talk honesty. And under honesty is confrontation. Under honesty is accountability. Under honesty is blame. All of these things. But you can't lead with honesty without the relationship. Us giving each other our most authentic selves, being connected to each other in relationship is what allows us to be honest with each other. Mm. Because if you go into a situation and you throw out honesty before there's a relationship and that honesty just gets shrugged off. Like I just, you can't just walk into a gym and tell a kid, hey, who wants to go to the NBA? You're not good enough to go to the NBA. That's the truth. Right. But there's no relationship there. And so my phrase is, I like to say, a relationship has to be strong enough to bear the real truth. Like you, you, you gotta be able to, you gotta be able to have a relationship there that can bear the weight of that honesty. So mm-hmm. I've never seen the movie, but I think of a few good men. You want the truth, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Like so right. many people can't handle the truth because so few people are in true, authentic relationship with the person that's delivering the truth. Hmm. So for people that, so this is my takeaway on that is, I mean, you get thrown into these leadership things. It is kind of that one thing, you know, um, I read a book, um, you went in the locker room first. It's written by John Gordon and written by the former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And he talks about how he built the Atlanta Falcons up. And it's all these C words about communication and, uh, uh, commitment and culture and a bunch of different words, but his number one thing that he did when he got that job was he went around to everybody that was a part of the Atlanta Falcons organization and developed a close, as close as he possibly could, a close relationship with each of them, right? That is kind of number one, that if you roll in and start having exactly what you're talking about, where it's unauthentic, um, you know, where you kind of roll away and kind of roll your eyes. And it's like, you know, who's this guy all of a sudden, you know, telling me, and I think a lot of people miss that boat 
um, with that, you know, and I, I think I have fallen short on that many times where it is that, Hey, we need to get to know each other. You need to be able to trust me. You need to be able to count on me and understand that I'm here for you and your development and the direction where, and I think we miss that a lot. So, um, go ahead. Anything else? And then, yeah. Yeah. And then the last one, so connection, honesty, and then this is the one that I've gotten a pushback on and especially okay. in, the, in the business world and in the corporate world is love. Mm. And the pushback is, I'm not sure if the corporate world is ready to embrace that strong of a word. I think you're right. And we've talked about it on this podcast. Like, yeah. no question. I was like, yeah, so we talk about, why, I'm like, hey, you, you can't say it. Because you and I come from an athletic space where if you're sitting there and I'm coaching you and you've spent four years with me and we've battled, it's the same, that's the same battle that people have in the, in the marketplace, in their profession. That's my belief. And if, but yeah. if you and I had done that for four years and I sit there on senior night and hug you and say, Jason, I love you. What you've, what you've done for me, my, uh, myself, my own, uh, my own development, my program, the school, the community, you got your degree. We helped you. Like, I love you. And I'll always be there for you. That's what we hear in the athletic world. We do, yeah. but you would never hear that in the, you would never hear that in the other in the professional space so, and so that's I interesting like, to me i'm not I, that's very interesting to me i feel like part of my map my part of my roadmap in this whole thing is to is to introduce that part of athletics into the corporate world it is it is and and, and i just had a conversation just yesterday where we talked about this and the statement was thrown back to me that I didn't even think about because you're talking about um, a, a generation or a culture of people who don't even have true or appreciate or acknowledge true love outside of the workplace. Mm -hmm. So how can we possibly have it within the workplace? I don't even, I don't even know how to love the people that I'm supposed to love. Mm -hmm. So now how am I going to bring love into this place where I'm not even obligated to love them, right? And, and that could go so many different ways. That could go family, that could go spouse, that could go so like these are the people that you're supposed to love and I'm struggling with that. And now you want me to love the person that I'm sitting next to right. at work. Um, but for me, love revolves around not a romantic love or or... Uh, even a family love, love to me revolves around service and it, it revolves around people. And so the way that I verbalize and define love is I have a commitment to your well-being. Mm. Simply put, right. think, 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 about, think about where that goes, George. If I'm a leader in an organization, and all I'm talking about when I say I love you, that's all a coach says when, he, when he's talking to a player. That's all he's saying is I'm committed to your, your well-being. Right. Yep. When, when a player says that back to a coach, it's thank you for being committed to my well-being. And I am also concerned about your well-being as well, which yep. is why when we get those text messages and emails and phone calls mm -hmm. that the people who have coached us have passed away, it hurts. Yep. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a different deal. And I don't, listen, I, I, this is not meant to pat myself on the back, but this is something I'm proud of. I've, I've stood up in seven of my former players. I've stood up in their weddings. Absolutely. So, uh, so I was somewhere between 30 and 
35 years old when I uh, was coaching, when I stood up in these weddings and these were kids that were, you know, 22 to 27, right? So I was older than them, not substantially older, but they still looked at me and said, coach, I love you. Would you please stand up with me when I got seven of them? seven of them. And those are some of the proudest days that I've had because it was more about, it's, it's about more than it's, it's about relationship. It's about being together. It's about trying to accomplish things. And we're doing that in the professional world, but there is this, there is this cutoff with that. And so I, Hey, I'll help you lead that charge, man. Cause I, I, I believe it. And uh, those are the, those yeah, are the type of relationships. All, that's, I'd like all to ever about, man. that's all it's ever about. It's about relationship. And when you get to a point, whatever boxes that society has created, when you get past the point of the boxes, and it's simple, it's not easy, mm-hmm. and, and those boxes are, consi- are, boxes are made of lines. Lines are what separate us. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a black and white racial line, whether it's a Christian and non-Christian religious line, whether it's, excuse me, an athletic, non-athletic line, whether it's a male-female line, whether it's a heterosexual, um, gay line, whatever your line is, those lines are what separate us, and that's what's causing us division. And all we need to do, the simplicity of it is, all we need to do is get in close enough proximity to see that the lines don't separate us. The only thing that separates us is the distance. Because once I get close enough to you, there is no line. Right. Because, I can't, because I'm so close to you that either the line is behind me so I don't see it, like whatever it is. And so, yeah, we, we just need to get to a point, but everything revolves around relationship. And, and that's where we're at right now is there's a lack of, <laughs> a lack of relationship. It's, right. this, this is one of the most profound things that I've heard, George, and then I'll shut up. No, you're good. My college coach, one of my college assistant coaches, is now the head coach at SEMO, Southeast Missouri University, Southeast Missouri State University. He was younger when he coached me my senior year. He came in with that new staff. And so after I graduated, we pretty much became just friends afterwards. There's, there's only like seven or eight years between us. And... He introduced, he brought me down to speak to his guys at SEMO earlier this calendar year. And in his introduction of me, he said, Jason was one of those guys when I came in, he's 20, 21 years old. You know, he's, he's, he's not going to class. We know we're going to need him on the court. We got to go through all this, blah, blah, blah. He said, and now to look at him as I introduce him to speak to you is a perfect representation. And what he said, I get goosebumps even just about to say it. Um, What he said after that was probably one of the most profound things that I've ever heard. He said, he is a prime representation of, as coaches, as parents, as teachers, it is not our job for you to like us when you're 18. It's our job for you to love us when you're 35. Mm. Man. Hey, we we could go down some roads with that. That's pretty damn good, man. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty good so say yeah. it again it's your it's not our job to have you like us at 18 say it again as coaches parents and teachers it is not our job for you to like us at 18 it is our job for you to love us at 35 right and, right. and, and think about that that it's 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 you standing up at those guys and girls wedding it's 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 
you know, us calling our coaches and telling them, you know, we just had our first newborn baby. It's, yep. it's all of those things. And this is the person that you despised when you were getting yelled at every day back and forth. It's, it's, it's mom and dad being on your back when you're 16 years old about doing what you're supposed to do. And finally at 35 years old, it resonates. Oh, that's what dad was talking about. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's, it's Bill Cosby saying, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. I'll take you out. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hey, there. so there's a few things I want to make sure that I get in my notes. One is the, di- uh, the, uh, the line and the distance and the difference, because I think there's more to unpack there. Yeah, um, we, there's we, more to unpack we, there we, personally. Yeah. Um, there's more to unpack there with our teams and us as leaders. There's a, probably a ton to unpack there. Um, as a society, like I, there just is, there there couldn't be more of that going on uh, in our world right now. In my opinion. So it's not necessarily this political podcast by any stretch, but there's, but we can make our teams better with some of those thoughts because that was one of my big takeaways when we had drinks, you know, a month or so ago. Yeah. Um, but our 15 minute podcast <laughs> has now become 45, so which is good, which is good. So listen, our. I was telling somebody the other day that was reaching out to me about you. And I, and I've said this on the podcast, it's not meant to continue to kind of stroke you and all this sort of stuff, but you are as impactful to me, uh, a person that I've met to me personally over the past two years than anybody, but not so impactful that I'm helping you move. So we're, so we have, we still have a ways to go with our friendship. Now, if I were a really good friend two weeks ago, when you said, Hey, I'm getting ready to move on this, this day, a great friend would have said, Jay, where do you need me to be? What time? I'll take vacation. I'll be there and I'll help you move. I sat there and said, crap, I hope he doesn't help me. It will ask me to help him move. Cause <laughs> so, it's all good. Yeah, there, so. there, there's nothing, nothing that, um, no detriment to our conversation, to our friendship. We're good. Okay, perfect. All right. With that, listen, everybody that, uh, we do have this on YouTube. I know, uh, not a lot of people hit YouTube, which is fine. It's still out there. If you want to just watch it, um, that's how I actually consume most of my podcast is through YouTube with Gary V. I'm watching a new guy, Jay. Uh, you'll really like this. Um, and I don't know if you listen to this guy, there's a guy named Ed Milet, M Y L E T T. He does a video with a gentleman named, um, Dean Graziano, and it's okay. Dean is phenomenal. Um, Dean is it's an incredible hour-long interview about uh, millionaire mindset and service mindset, and I've watched it one and a half times already, and have two pages worth of notes. It's phenomenal. Ed Milet is great. He's my uh, I listen to Gary Vee a lot uh, usually every day, but Ed Milet is now right up there so but anyway um so that is how i consume content is really youtube yeah, max, maxed out maxed out, out with Ed yep, yep yep love it really love really that guy good. he's a uh, you know he's one of those ted uh not tedx he's one of those uh, 10x speakers with uh the cordon guy that they do out in vegas um i really yeah. get a lot out of, of of what he does um so anyway we do have this on youtube um you can consume it that way um we're going to push this out here shortly um i did promise this uh typically what jay and i are going to try to do is get these out on wednesdays um we'll call it our why wednesdays with jason and then we will have our guests on friday i will i do have a guest lined up for tomorrow it will be pushed out a little bit later in the afternoon just because of some scheduling conflicts and things that we had to work around so with that i hope Listen, there's a lot to unpack with this episode. Um, I hope you get as much out of these uh, weekly things with, uh, with Jay as I do. And uh, Jay, again, 
thanks. Uh, thanks. Have a great week. And we'll be together next, uh, next Wednesday for another one of these. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. Thank you.